Hello and welcome to another edition of Outside is Overrated. This is episode 17, Harry Wizards, chapter 1. I'm your host, Tom Awesome. This month, we're going to be talking about a couple of Harry Wizards, Mr. Harry Potter and Harry Dresden. Before we get into it, I would like to thank our sponsor, Premier Health. You can check out their website at premierhealthmn.com. And joining me on this magical adventure today is our wonderful co-host, Mrs. Awesome, Phoenix. Welcome back to the show, babe. Oh, thank you. I mean, you're almost always here when we record, so it's good to have you on the microphone. That's very true, I guess. (laughs) And I much prefer staring across the table at you than at Joey. (laughs) No offense, Joey, but you know, you know, yeah. So uh, what have you been up to since we last recorded, was it the Spider-Man podcast three episodes ago? Yes, it was. Um, well, we did a big family trip out to Black Hills. Uh, yeah, that was incredible. It was me and our baby and all of your siblings and their significant others and another baby and your parents. And uh, how did I do, honey? You did fantastic. <laughs> now, the Black Hills is your favorite place on earth. What were some of the things you were excited to show me out there? Uh, I was just excited to show you the atmosphere, the hills, the uh, the nature, the hikes. Um, it's fun to visit Crazy Horse, Mount Rushmore again, to just see it again. Um, it was really cool. And our families have very different takes on vacationing. <laughs> now, my family on the Sidlogic side, we will all go somewhere like Alaska, and then we'll drink for X amount of days. Your family is all like, get up, have breakfast, go hike, 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 go swim, go <laughs> run over here, go see this. Holy cow, it was a very different pace for me. Well, you know my dad. He's high energy. <laughs> he certainly is. And we have a one-and-a-half-year-old, and she did amazing on the trip. She did excellent. She, she did better than I did. <laughs> no, you did. We're good equals. <laughs> but no, it was fantastic. And then I'm um, just raising Daisy and um, playing some board games with you and Brandon and Crystal the one night. and. Yeah, we had a fun board gaming night with another couple. We don't get to do that very often, so it was really awesome that they made the trip over here and completely accommodated us in our baby-raising schedule. Yes, it was. You were also busy reading a couple of books for this episode. That's true, yeah. I had a timeline where I had to read real quick. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we were pushing it at the end, but we're here. We have plenty of time to record this and edit this and relay it to our legions of adoring fans. Yes, we do. For me, I've been playing a little bit of... Well, obviously, I went on the trip, too, and that yes. was awesome. That was the highlight of the whole uh, summer for me, really. And you can read about it on my last column on Outside is Overrated. But for gaming, I've been playing a little Monster Hunter World and a little bit of Final Fantasy IX. I only got about five hours into Final Fantasy IX last month, but man, I enjoy that game. And I wish I had infinite time to spend on Final Fantasy every month. I had all of the games already, but I was super duper excited to find that 10 and 12 were on sale at GameStop a couple weekends ago. So now I can play them on my Switch, and I have every mainline entry in a way that's playable today, except for crappy Final Fantasy thirteen. What's wrong with thirteen? I didn't like it. <laughs> I thought it was a bad game. <laughs> so I also had a big board gaming day the last weekend. We played for a solid 14 hours. Thank you for allowing me to do something like that in our house while you're trying to raise a young girl. Oh, you're welcome, love. We tackled Legends of the Old West, Scythe, Two games of Couriers and the Dark Souls cooperative card game. It's kind of a rough day for me. The only game I won was a team victory in Dark Souls. But the first game we played, Legends of the Old West, was awesome. It's the best cowboy game I've played by a mile, and I would love to break into it again. I played as Billy the Kid and tried to pursue an outlaw path, but I kept getting arrested and losing my ill-gotten gains. <laughs> it was a character that fit me in my interest. It, it just did, um, yeah. Nobody else took the outlaw path, and so the sheriff moves around a lot, and he always chases outlaws, and nobody else put a toe out of bounds and chickens i know oh i had worse names for them <laughs> than that those filthy curs <laughs> so yeah hey, that's us that's life yep follow us on all of these social medias you can email the show at overratedpod at gmail.com you can follow us on twitter at tom underscore awesome and mrs underscore oio on twitter you know, so follow the show on Facebook.com slash Outside is Overrated and on Instagram at Outside underscore Overrated Pod. Good stuff. You know, at the beginning of the year when I started all this OIO momentum, there was a lot more social content going on. I was like, I'm going to do a social post every single day. And I'm like taking pictures of books that I have and comic books and yes, our sweet gaming stuff. Boy, that stuff has kind of gone away. It has. <laughs> yes, it has. So, you know, following us would be great if, you know, you care. 
Our first segment today is going to be on probably one of the most famous wizards in all of pop culture or sci-fi, Harry Potter. Chances are most of our audience has at least a base level of familiarity with Harry Potter. I am doing a weird Trump thing with my hand, (laughs) accentuating my points. This is very disturbing for me. You know, usually I'm calling out Joey for his hand motions, but like the show notes are on phone this time. So like I have my phone in one hand and I'm doing this weird Trump gesture or conducting an orchestra with my other hand. Should I duct tape your hand down? Maybe. Maybe we could find some other way to occupy it. Anyways, everybody knows who Harry Potter is. The books and movies were a phenomenon and I was kind of a latecomer to Pottermania. I started reading the books in the late 2000s and I have only seen the first three movies. You were a latecomer. <laughs> well, now I know you had not read Harry Potter. You had not read any Harry Potter book until we decided to do this podcast. So, where did you come in on Harry Potter, babe? Oh well, um, April was a fanatic about the books. She loved them. She even went to Walmart at midnight to try to get a copy. I think she got the last copy and was super duper excited. So she was caught up in it, but more of my nonconformists came out. The harder she got with it, so I just. It's so funny. It. This was one of the first instances where you explained to me how when everyone gets super into some IP or other and like everyone's into it, you go the other way and just refuse to engage. I do. I, I Pardon me is like, well, Twitter, uh, Twitter, Twilight is, you know. Oh, this is good. Dive in, honey. <laughs> well, I mean, Twilight's probably decently written, but to me, there's better books out there, you know, and. I know that these are kind of young adults and stuff, but still, in my head, there's better books out there. And so with Harry Potter, I probably, I thought they were good books, but I just kept thinking, you know, there's better books out there. And I like reading stuff that people don't quite know about. And so you can try to say, well, have you read this? And people are like, no, but you know. We'll see if you think there are better books out there when we get to book number seven, love. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. So Pottermania was a big thing. I think you looked into a little bit of the history of it. I looked a little bit into it, and it sounded like that websites kind of, a couple websites popped up right away after the first book. So, I mean, the book captured people right away. 1999 is when more came out, and then by 2000, you know, it was just huge. I think the first book released in 97, and I think the first movie came out, was it 99 or the early 2000s? It was early 2000s. So. I worked at Barnes and Noble in college from two th- graduated high school in two thousand. So like two thousand one to two thousand five, I worked at Barnes and Noble, and these midnight releases were no freaking joke. Oh like, really? I think I think it was the only thing we opened the store up at midnight for, and it wasn't just like adults. It was like two thousand kids in our little store, like <laughs> playing wizard bingo and like dressing up in costumes. And I'm like, oh my god, this is nuts. That was a the one I remember the most was the fifth book, The Order of the Phoenix. So they actually, Barnes & Noble had actual games out for people to play? And... Yeah, they weren't like licensed games, but like our employees were mostly also into the fiction, and they would like come up with these different things that we could do with the kids to keep them entertained. And Fascinating. Yeah, because the store essentially, like everything had to shut down when the store closed, I think at 9, and then, uh, or maybe the store closed at 11, and then they weren't allowed to actually sell the books until midnight, and so it was an hour of keeping kids entertained, kids who probably shouldn't have been up that late, No, frankly. they should have been in bed. <laughs> I can say that now, being a parent. They should yeah, have been no, in bed. No. Can you imagine having Daisy at a bookstore at midnight? No, I can't. Have that. <laughs> yeah. Have that so hard, honey. <laughs> yes. So Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. There's a lot of scene setting in this book, so just a quick rundown of some of the main plot points in chronological order. Harry gets dropped off with his aunt and uncle. You find out that his parents have died, and it's a big day of celebration in the wizarding community. You find out that his aunt and uncle and their little brat baby are terrible. The Dursleys are just terrible people. Harry kind of gets rescued. You find out about Diagon Alley, where all the wizards buy their stuff. There's the sorting, where he gets put into his house at the wizard school Hogwarts. Along the way, he meets Malfoy, who immediately sets himself as a rival. He gets picked on by a mean teacher named Snape. He has a frenemy named Hermione, and on Halloween, they all become friends. There's flying soccer. They investigate a mystery at the school. They have their finals, and there's a final showdown with the evil wizard. It's Harry Potter, right? 
Yep, you got it down, right? <laughs> nice bullet points. It was too yeah. <laughs> So what were your impressions your first time reading through Sorcerer's Stone? Um, It was actually, you know, it's a well-written book. It's well put together. The characters are well-crafted and enjoyable to read. And, you know, it's interesting reading about Harry being such because he's a wounded character, but he also is so curious about life. So this wound hasn't quite made him dark or depressed. He's or just hardened him. He's hardened, uh... yeah. He's just very curious. And that's what allows him to keep stumbling upon these things in the school. He keeps like, well, I'm curious about this. All of a sudden he finds the mirror, you know. He's all, you know. So, I mean, his curiosity is what propels him a lot of times, you know. I know Hermione is the one that knows everything as a school book form. But I guess it's his curiosity and his natural intuition about things that allows him to figure things out and get through situations, you know. But I enjoyed it. It was really good. You know, there's some choppy bits of the story that I kind of had a hard time with, like the whole dragon sequence you know, I know it had to be there so that they could be in the forest, but so this could happen. But to me, that whole couple chapters just were kind of choppy to me. But overall, it's a great book, you know, and I can see why people love it, you know. Yeah, I see what you mean about the dragon. For me, I thought the choppiest parts were in the beginning of the books where it kind of leapt from scene to scene and it didn't feel like there was much of a flow. Like I thought this was a knock in the first movie as well, but. Early on, it feels very vignette to me. Like, you have the scene with Harry living with his aunt and uncle, and you have the scene at the zoo, and you have the scene where Hagrid shows up after the Dursleys flee from the from letters from Hogwarts. And it just feels, they feel very kind of disconnected to me. It isn't until the school year really gets rolling. It isn't until Halloween when Ron and Harry and Hermione all come together as friends that it really kind of picks up for me. Yeah, I mean, I see what you mean, you know, because you have a lot of pieces that are trying to build a story, but it's a lot of multiple pieces that are kind of vignettes to just, once they come together, they flow together as a story. And maybe she could have done it a little bit more smoothly, but I don't know. But. I don't know if it was J.K. Rowling's first novel. I guess I should have dug into that a little bit more before doing a podcast I, on it. I believe it is her first novel. So. Yeah, I guess that's another common theme between these two books, Harry Potter and Harry Dresden. I think they're both initial novels by the authors. They are both, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. That's neat. So what do we think about the bad guys, the villains in the first Harry Potter book? I mean, there's Malfoy, his school-aged rival. There's a troll that the kids have to fight. There is Professor Snape, who has it in for Harry from day one. And then there's the ultimate big baddie, Hugh Shall Not Be Named. Yeah, I mean, Snape is, you know, knowing and seeing the movies, it's kind of fascinating to read the books now because I can sort of of try to maybe see some of the things that she tried to do with Snape throughout the storyline. Um, Malfoy is great, you know, he's your quintessential baddie kid who just wants to irk everyone. And then, you know, I think it's great that Harry in the book especially is very, he doesn't care calling him Voldemort. He just, and, you know, it was something that he only shares with Dumbledore. Yeah, it is something that he only shares with Dumbledore and, you know, it, it's hard to say much about Voldemort because you don't know much and she does leave a lot open, which she needs to, to keep the story going. It leaves you kind of confused a little bit about who this guy is, but you know, she's building him up to be a baddie, a big baddie, you know. It is really interesting going back to the first book with the full like breadth of knowing how the story ends and how things are going to go and how things are trending and how things are setting up. It's really interesting to go back and reread the first book. I bet it is for you. Yeah, I mean, I only saw the movies. Um, but for me, it's going to be fun reading the books to just get a better picture of the characters and get a better understanding of the background of each of the characters, what their motivations are. And with Voldemort, hopefully, I'm hoping that she dwells a lot into his history. I mean, they keep referencing Dumbledore is the only wizard who equals him, but... 
I mean, how is it that Harry, why did he go after Harry's parents? I mean, do they ever explain why the main reason was? Cause, Can't yeah. honestly remember, but I look forward to finding <laughs> out again. Because there really doesn't seem reason unless they attacked Voldemort and he was retaliating. So I don't quite understand why all of a sudden he decides to, unless for some reason he had a premonition that he has to. But hopefully we find out the real reason why he attacks Harry's parents. But... You know, I think it'll be exciting to see Voldemort's character um, throughout each book to get a little bit, get to know the character, get to see how bad he is, you know, what his powers are like. And so it'll be fun. And, you know, and it's fun reading, you know, Harry Potter, you know, because you do have quite a bit of fantasy in this book, you know, and the whole wizard. And it's tucked within... Our world that we live in today, which is interesting to me. It is interesting because, you know, it's hidden from us. And that's another piece that I was kind of missing. It's like, I have a lot of questions. It's like, okay, how did they start separating everything and keeping everything hidden? Did it start back? Magic, honey. Well, did it start back at Merlin's time or did it start back in the, you know, 1800s? When did they do the split and how did that happen and how, you know, so my brain is going like, okay. When did they finally decide to split and make sure the muggle world doesn't see them? And how did they, how were they able to develop it? And so that's some of the questions I have. And I don't know if she fully dwells into the history of that or not. I don't believe she does in the core books, but I'll tell you in a few months, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So, but, you know, and that's what an author needs to do. It needs to get you thinking. It needs to get you engaged and enthralled with the characters and wanting to know more about not just the characters, but the backstory, you know, and that's a credit to her for her writing. So she's got me engaged. She can't be engaged to you, honey. You're married <laughs> to me. That's true. I am married to you. I put an anchor baby in you, honey. You did. There's no backseas. There's no backseas No backseas. <laughs> so in addition to reading the book, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, we also, also watched the first movie. What were your impressions of the movie? It was, you know, it's a 2D character of all the characters you know Harry to me is not the Harry that I read in the book I mean he is and he isn't there's something about the way he's written in the book I have a completely different picture from the movie and it's hard to explain well I think you just lose so much of the character development in the movie because it's squished into a shorter time frame it is you lose a lot of Harry's innocence there's less friction with Hermione early on like they're just kind of instantly friends the whole way through and I think that's kind of a crucial part of the relationship is how they did not get along at all at first. Yeah, I guess, you know, they do have to fast track everything. I guess the part that I miss about Harry is not only is he wounded and curious, but he has an edginess to him that when you read, it's like he has this edginess to him, especially his uncle and his aunt. And it's just, I think it's missing from the books. And so, and that was a little disappointing. But I mean, yeah, they have to fast track everything i wish they did more of the scenes with the letters because that was kind of because in the movie he didn't seem that interested in getting the letter you know where in the books it was a huge deal of him getting the letter mm-hmm. so and i i missed the whole Hagrid scene too him making breakfast and the yeah whole, there was a lot less of Hagrid, which was yeah. kind of disappointing he's such a likable character in the books he is a very likable character and so you know I know they have to shorten things. They have to make things spell everything out quickly. I mean, overall, they did a good job trying to keep it true to the books, but, you know, there's stuff missing, you know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to think about how our perspective will be about the books versus the movies when we've read and seen, like, all of it. Yeah, especially with this one that they do split into two movies, so... I believe it was a long-ass book. (laughs) So it'll be, you know, I know the last book probably has a lot going on versus these earlier books, you know. And my sister was saying that with the books, to her, J.K. Rowling was writing them for her son and for kids his age. And as time went on and he grew older, she had to change sort of the writing a little bit to as he grew older. So... I think she did a great job. I liked each book more than the last one. <laughs> okay. So she was saying, like, to her, she would start at book three instead of book one because it's just too young for her. But 
I enjoyed it, but yeah, know. I mean, we're grown ass adults. We're both pushing forty, and like, <laughs> I think I'm comfortable speaking for both of us and saying that we enjoyed it. Yep, we did. But so there the- are some things that were a little better in the movie than the books. Here's something that is kind of embarrassing to admit. I had the hardest time knowing how to pronounce the names in the books. Like Hermione, I did not know how to say Hermione until I saw the first movie. Same thing with Seamus. Like, looks like Seamus. In my head, he was always Seamus. Anytime I read a book and I can't pronounce a name, I just skip it. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I don't take the time to be like, okay, how do you pronounce this person's name? I just skip over. I pick a way to roll with it and then I just live with it. I can't remember what it was for Hermione, but maybe I I don't even want to attempt it because I'll sound very silly. Yeah, I, I probably, if I had read the books before the movies, I probably would be struggling with some of the names. But and The nice thing about the visual representation in the movie is it's easier to bring the world to life. We mentioned that Harry Potter... The Harry Potter universe lives like within the confines of our universe. It's a whole world crammed in the edges of our reality. That can be kind of hard to wrap your mind around. It can be, and it's still kind of hard even with the movie because it's like, where does Hogwarts sit in the plane of reality? You know, be kind of cool. I'm sure there is a map out there that someone created to show you where everything sits, but movies do help with creating a better visual visual of representation so it's easier to picture it when you're reading or you know thinking about it after the fact so one thing about the movie the special effects feel very dated today they do they do like the flying looked pretty pretty hokey they yeah i mean it was filmed in 2000 that's about 19 years ago so yeah i mean i'd love to see a new version with like updated special effects but i guess i couldn't possibly see anyone but daniel radcliffe being harry potter no it's tough i mean daniel radcliffe is perfect he he's perfect um can't remember the actor who plays ron weasley um that kid had good timing i loved him (laughs) he had perfect timing he could land any line and it was funny i think he was really enjoyable in the movie for me because he really brought ron to life and now that's what i picture when i read the books you know it's like you know, and um, Hermione, um, Emma, was it Emma Watson? Yep. She, you know, she's really good as Hermione, but I do have to say I like whoever plays Ron Weasley. He's the best, you know. Uh, Emma Watson, I loved her role in This is the End. I know you do. You love that movie, period. I love that whole movie. <laughs> I, we should do a whole podcast <laughs> just breaking down This is the End, honey. Scene uh, by scene. Yeah. <laughs> Joke by joke. <laughs> joke by joke. <laughs> so those are our thoughts on Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. The book's still good. Movie maybe looks a little dated, but it's an enjoyable representation, and uh, it was fun for me to go back to it. It's only the second time I've seen it. Yeah, I only saw it the once, and it was very enjoyable to watch now. I mean, again, things are dated, but it still has the heart of the book, and it's very enjoyable to watch. And... Yeah, I can't wait for you to start reading Harry Potter to Daisy at night to introduce her to the world. That's going to be awesome. The last books are going to scare the crap out of her, honey. I think she'll be fine. Yeah, she's tougher than I am. (laughs) Before we move on to our other Harry wizard in the show, we're going to break down Tom Awesome's top five Halloween costumes. It's time now for... Tom Awesome's Top 5 Countdown. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. It's October, the month of Halloween, and I've always enjoyed dressing up in costumes. Like, as you'll find out in a moment, I enjoyed trick-or-treating until I was way too old to be enjoying trick-or-treating. And it's just, uh, it's... A fun thing, and I'm glad that you embrace dressing up in costumes with me for our Halloween party every year. Yeah, I guess it's something, you know, even though I did plays, it's just hard for me to dress up because I don't want to make a fool of myself. I don't want to seem like I'm an idiot dressed in something odd, so, yeah. Honey, you married a man who wore a dress <laughs> in a play and I was chased around a bed in a romantic manner by one of his closest friends. That is very true. <laughs> yin and yang, my love. Yes, the yin and yang. 
So my top five Halloween costumes of my lifetime. Number five, I dressed up as a pirate as an 18-year-old and went trick-or-treating with my two best friends, Duhow and Dan. Oh, fun. Yeah, we uh, we had the costume person from the plays hook us up, and so we were pretty legit pirates. I bet you were. She has some good costumes. So 18 is too old to trick-or-treat. I, I, you know, that is just, it is what it is, but it was fun to get dressed up in costume and uh, go out as a pirate and... Like it was like a last hurrah of childhood, and then after we had all our candy, we did a draft to choose what we kept. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> I love drafts. That's fascinating. <laughs> Number four. Oh crap! I scrolled away from my place in the notes. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Here we are. Number four, a penalty killer, which was a zombie hockey player. I did this with my brother in 2008 when we moved back. I love dressing up as a zombie. It's a recurring theme. I want to do it every year. And Halloween's really the only time of year that you get to do it. And my brother got into it with me, and uh, he had a couple of St. Cloud State hockey jerseys. And so we went to play it against sports, and we bought, like, hockey shoulder pads, and we went as zombie hockey players. Yeah, I think I saw some of the pictures. You guys look great. Yeah. Oh, we got tore up that night, too. We uh, took a crushed-up beer can, and we're playing hockey in the street and, like, beating on each other with their sticks. I think I heard about that. Yeah, you were pretty excited about telling me about it. Yeah, it was a good time. Yay, Halloween. I think that was, yeah, it was a couple months before we started dating, right? 12, 4, 11, we started dating, so that would have been Halloween that same year. Yep. Just over a month. Yep. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, Donatello. I can't remember exactly how old I was, but I was in like grade school and Ninja Turtles were the truth and my mom made me a sweet Donatello Aww, costume. Oh, she did? Yeah, she found a mask. It wasn't a Donatello mask. It was, uh, I think it was a Raphael, but she painted the headband purple for me and we found me a bow staff and she made me a big shell and it was awesome. Aww. I should really try to find those pictures from my dad's house. That'd be great. It'd be fun to see those. Number two, when I still lived in Maryland in 2008... This is where I really kind of embraced my zombie Tom nature. I went to work dressed up as a zombie, and then at night, the baseball team I was working for had a haunted house in the stadium, and uh, I had to work it, and instead of, like, staying at my post and taking tickets like I was supposed (laughs) to, I just went upstairs and started wandering around and scaring people. (laughs) Who was taking tickets if you weren't there? Uh, There were, like, five of us that had to be there Uh. each night. So, like, uh, I was pretty busy, but... You know, I was dressed up as a zombie, and I was scary, and people that worked at the haunted house had rules. I did not. Yes. Because I didn't work for anyone. I was just a guy walking around. And you actually sent me a picture of you at GameStop in your zombie costume. Yeah. That was, uh, I got a great picture with the store manager threatening to hit me with a chair. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. That was long before we started dating. Yeah. Actually, I should- That's how I wooed you, honey. Yes, it is. We should find that and post it online. I'm sure I still have it somewhere. Number one, this is just a couple of years ago, breaking from the zombie, just a couple of years ago, this was last year, breaking <laughs> from the zombie theme, we did a Jurassic Park family costume. I was Alan Grant, you were what's her name, and uh, little, our daughter, Little Daisy Girl, was the cutest little velociraptor you've ever seen. She was. She was so adorable. Yeah, she was just uh, four months old and just enjoyed hanging out with everyone at the party. And Yeah, she had a blast. Yeah, she ripped a big fart on my friend Brian and then fell asleep on him. Yeah, she did. Good times. It was good times. I only had one thing for the honorable mention here. Nathan Drake, which was, that must have been two years ago. That was our last pre-baby Halloween. Yeah, it was uh, when I was pregnant and we were announcing it. Yeah, we did. Nathan Drake, yep. Yeah, Yeah, that was a good one. It was fun. Do you have any standout costumes that you've done that you want to bring up, Bim? No, I didn't do much when I was young. I mean, I was your typical ghost, you know can't remember i think for elementary school i went in as a band leader i had a sparkly jacket with a sparkly um top hat and a baton i think my mom still has a picture somewhere of it oh that's um, awesome yeah she had a hard time getting me in costumes april she loved being in costumes but she would have a hard time with me Mm-hmm. Even when I was young. <laughs> oh, so. that's too bad. Yeah. When when our first Halloween together, I think we did Star Trek together. We did Star Trek, and you were um, a zombie Star Trek. Hell yeah, I was. And then the year after that, we went to a Wolves game, and you were a zombie, and you had a Wolves written on your white shirt. Yeah, I made like a zombie Wolves jersey tee. Yeah. It was sweet. And I, I thought was... for sure we were going to get on TV, but we were way the hell up there. Yeah, we were. And I was a baseball player. 
I think the following year you were a zombie and I was Shaun of the Dead. That was awesome too. And that was that our last year at the apartment? I think so. And then so our first year at the house we were We did two costumes that day. I know that we had Wolverine and Phoenix. Yeah, we did the shirts and then we switched oh Harley oh, and Joker. Harley and Joker. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good costume too, because Joker's like borderline zombie ish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, that was a good party. That was a rough day after. I know it was a rough day after for you. <laughs> yeah. You had to clean up the whole party by yourself. I'm sorry, babe. It's okay. So we did that the first year in the house. And then, yep, after that was Nathan Drake and then Jurassic Park. Yeah. And this year is we're going to dress our little girl as Princess Leia. Have the little cute wig with the buns. And who are we going to be, babe? The only logical choice, right? Yeah, Anakin Skywalker and Padme. Leia's parents. Yep. And then we're going to dress her little dinosaur as Luke. So We don't think the cat would really appreciate it. No, and we didn't think he would stay still to have anything attached to him. So Halloween is fun. Normally, I'd ask for your thoughts, but I don't really care what other people wears for <laughs> Halloween costumes. Unless you're like a real badass zombie, then you can tweet your thoughts to at Tom underscore underscore awesome on Twitter. Premier Health has solutions for back pain, neck pain, car accidents and work injuries, and more. We suggest seeing Dr. Camille in Golden Valley, Minnesota. Learn more at PremierHealthMN.com. That's PremierHealthMN.com. Now, I don't know how many people out there know this, but there is another wizard in popular culture. Mr. Harry Dresden, star of The Dresden Files by Jim Butcher. That feels like kind of a weak introduction. No, it's fine. That's to the point, to the facts, everything. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good job, Tom. <laughs> you introduced me to Dresden. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the series and how each novel works? Well, so when everyone was getting really big on Harry Potter, my brother told me that I should read a series called Harry Dresden. And so I started out reading Stormfront, which is the first book. Each book is kind of, it's kind of nice because each book is a mystery. He's a wizard who is a detective. So when you read each book, you get introduced to a different characters and a mystery, and he has to solve the mystery by the end of the book. You do have different um, threads weaving through the background that sort of start coming together into a longer storyline in the background of the books. But it's just it was kind of nice for me because, you know, I like books that kind of have a beginning and end. I kind of ha- don't like books that have these long storylines where you have to read the next book. So, so you would agree that The Empire Strikes Back without having an ending is bullshit? Yeah. I yeah, I'm married well. <laughs> so I like a beginning and end, you know, to a story. It's like, I know, like my brother, he, he loves his fantasy books and he loves series because he would complain to me all the time. It's like, he loves Harry Dresden, but he hates that there's not a longer storyline. Now that Jim Butcher is writing more of a complex storyline, you know, I think it took maybe four, five, six books before that storyline really started to come through in the other stories. But that my brother really is like, yeah, he's doing a longer storyline. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I don't want to have to wait for 20 books to figure out what finally ends, you know. <laughs> but um, he's a wizard. And he has an office that he runs, and he has it printed, Harry Harry Dresden Wizard, hire me for, he's a, basically he has an ad saying he's a detective, and so that's pretty much the premise, is him. And at least the first book has a very noir feel to it, like it's very much a mystery novel setting, just main character is a wizard and it touches on a lot of fantastic stuff yeah i mean most of the books if i remember correctly are you know they are darker they're more noir ish you know they deal with a lot of supernatural so you even get more darker each storyline is kind of dark because of the supernatural aspects of it because the characters he deals with you know he deals with vampires and the vampires are all split into three courts which you find out later and they those are very dark characters and then there's werewolves, so everything about the supernatural world is in the story, so they get dark. So. You know what I like about Jim Butcher? Hmm. Jim Butcher is a prolific author. He didn't write five books and then jump off the edge of the wall. 
No, he didn't do a George R. R. Martin. He actually, he's on book 17 or 16 of... Of the Dresden series. series. He has other series. He has comics. He has written at least one Spider-Man novel. It's He has pumped out a ton of content, and I think Stormfront probably came out early 2000s, right? I think it was early 2000s, and I do have to say Stormfront is probably the weakest book. I don't know what... And honey, I loved it. <laughs> I had a hard time with it. It was a weak book, but something hooked me that I kept reading the books. And, you know, Summer Night, the fourth book, is probably my favorite one. And that really hooks you even more. So, but. Dresden is a bigger phenomenon than I ever appreciated. Like, I didn't even realize that it had a TV series, comic books. It has one board game that we own. There's probably more out there. Like it's uh it's a lot bigger than I thought it was. They actually released a role playing book that I thought of of getting um for us to look at and maybe try. But yeah, it's out there and maybe not a lot of people know about it, but if you go to Barnes and Noble you'll see um staff pick Harry Dresden. You will f- there's a such a big group of people that love it. And and if you put out the first book in the late 90s or early 2000s and he's on book 17, this is 2019. That is nearly a book a year. That is astounding. It is. and um, Especially if they're not just trash. Yeah, and he's written a lot of short stories um, also on Harry Dresden that are sh- in um, anthologies. So he's written a lot of external. He wrote a short story actually on the whole uh, curse of... What is the Chicago team? Oh, um, the uh, Cubs. The Cubs, yeah. He wrote a whole story explaining how the curse happened. And so it's a short story, and it's a very fun story about the what happens to the Cubs from Harry Dresden's point of view. And, yeah, he's just writing a lot of books, and I think he might end at 20. I can't – it seems like he has a list down to 20 as far as future books. So I don't know if he's hoping to wrap it up here. In about three or four books. So, Well, God bless you, Jim Butcher, for pumping out books. Yes. For our discussion today, we're going to focus just on his first Dresden file book, his first novel, Stormfront. So I'll do a quick rundown of the story here again. You learn that Dresden is the only publicly practicing wizard in Chicago. You learn that he consults with the Chicago Police Department. At the start of the book, he gets a call from a mysterious new client. Then he gets called in to investigate a gruesome double homicide. On the way home from that crime scene, he gets briefly abducted by a local mob boss. Uh, On his new case, he starts investigating a missing person. He gets confronted by a guardian, which is like a magical policeman who's watching over him and thinks that he committed the two murders. Yep. He has a confrontation with a vampire who also thought that he did it. He has a showdown with a demon who is sent by the ultimate big bad. He has conflict with his boss on the Chicago PD. He gets ambushed by a thug. The White Council, which is like the governing body for wizards, gets called. And it essentially gives him two days to solve the case before he is put to death. He has a public confrontation with the mob. And then eventually he figures it all out and has a showdown with the final boss. (laughs) You know, I just something that I enjoy about the Harry, it's in every book. It's one of those characters that, you know, he gets the crap beat out of him. He's down to his last, you know, will of power. He's just... He's got his back against the wall. wall. And he is just in every book, and somehow he comes through. And it's just somehow the worst of the worst is coming to an end at the end of the story. And somehow he figures out a way to do it without having to deal with black magic. And, you know, and then I like that about the character. And, you know, he figure, he's creative. He figures things out and tries to make it all come together without hurting anyone or killing anyone. He really is against killing anyone. Yeah, that's a really good point. He, he specifically says it in the book that when he goes into a confrontation, he doesn't want anyone to die. He doesn't want his opponent to die. He doesn't want to die. Like He just wants to end the whatever the situation is. Yeah, he's just he just wants everything to work out for everyone. He's just down on his luck. He just ever he wants everyone to survive, and he just hopes to walk away from it. And he faces everything with a very dry sense of humor. He does, and that's part of the charm of the books, too, is his dry sense of humor and also what he comes up with to solve things. And I, th- I can't remember what book it is, but he actually makes Sue 
the bones of Sue the dinosaur come alive and he rides her T-Rex through the city to confront the big baddie in the middle of Chicago. And it's a great scene. So That's awesome. Now I'm going to put you on the spot here, love. Mm-hmm. Your favorite character in the world is Sherlock Holmes, arguably the greatest detective in the history of fiction. How does Dresden measure up to the legend? You know, it's hard to say because Stormfront is a weaker book. Um, it'll be fun to reread the rest of the books again to see how the mysteries are. He's good. I mean, Sherlock will always be the top of my heart. You know, it's hard to say, I guess, you know, because Harry is so different and unique in the character that I love Sherlock and his ability to figure things out and be smarter than people, but in ways I kind of like Harry because of his... Um, more down-to-earth, with-the-people type character. All right, Harry Dresden versus Nero Wolf. Who do you prefer? Oh, that's a good question. Well, if you put Archie Goodwin in there, that really makes it tough. <laughs> We're going to leave Archie out of it. We're going to go pure detective versus pure, pure detective. detective. Uh, you know, Nero Wolf is probably going to be hands down better than Harry Dresden. It's not about who's better, honey. It's I know, I know. <laughs> um. As far as style of book, I would probably say I enjoy Neurowolf better. So I'll go with Dresden. What about Miss Marple? Dresden. Poirot. Oh, that's a childhood. Um, Dresden, probably. Any other notable detectives that we should put them up against? I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think. There's a lot of them out there. That's a good question. Well, I've called out a few. So uh, Philip Marlowe, but that's noir. So that actually might be a, a slightly more apt comparison. That would be because uh, Philip Marlowe. Yeah, actually, those two are very similar. If you've read any Raymond Chandler Philip Marlowe stories, um, Harry Dresden matches Philip as far as cadence and everything for the story. So maybe Jim Butcher read a lot of Philip Marlowe. That'd be interesting. I wonder if that was an influence for him. Mm -hmm. Now, thinking of the book as a whole, I really enjoyed it. I found it very difficult to put down, and it definitely cut into my Final Fantasy IX time. (laughs) Like there were nights when you asked me if I wanted to play some Final Fantasy, and I said, "Uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh, uh-uh." Well, there's the time when we're driving back from Black Hills, and we stopped at Sioux Falls, and we need to go to bed, but you stayed up late trying to finish the book. Yeah, it was really good at the end, honey. (laughs) I didn't want to stop. I know. But yeah, no. I was sick too. I know you were. <laughs> yeah, it's you know I'm. I can see why you like the book. The character's really good. It's just once you start reading the rest of them, you'll see why the first one is. But I don't if want. This pe- is the worst book. I am so excited to keep going. <laughs> I'm doing the weird hand thing again. I know you are. You know. So Look, no, it's a duck. Quack 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 quack. So I'm excited for you to read the rest of the books because it'll be fun to see what you think of his writing as it matures, as he writes the more of the books. I do have to say, I do love Harry Dresden, but I would have to say I prefer the Iron Druid series over Harry Dresden now. But That's written by Kevin Hearn. Give us a real quick synopsis of the Iron Druid. Uh, the Iron Druid series is, um, is about um, a, a druid who has lived so many years. He's been able to, I can't remember how he does it, but he's live through history and time he's seen so much so he can fall back on history and but it's the same thing he has supernatural elements he has um he deals with werewolves vampires he has the same dry humor i love his dog Oberyn. he's the best character in the books and you know way better than Oberyn martell <laughs> yes and you know it's just something about his writing I really enjoy a lot more versus Harry Dresden. But What's now th- the first book in the series? I can't remember the name, actually. I can't. Hounded, maybe. But it'll be fun to reread Harry Dresden. I may find that I like Harry Dresden more because it's been a few years since I've read him between those two. So The only knock that I have on the book is I felt it was a little predictable. I could see how the threads were going to come together. Like He did a nice job of like, packaging everything up into a nice tidy little bundle but i could kind of see where things were trending he never really broke my expectations 
Yeah, I mean, it's the same format of any mystery book. You have all these things, and somehow they come together in the end. And It felt like it was missing any kind of red herrings. Maybe that was the one Probably thing. so, yeah. Like, there weren't any... There were no... There were no, like, side tangents. Minor thing. I really, really enjoyed the book. Yep. Everyone knows the characters in the Harry Potter universe. Ron and Hermione and uh, Snape and Dumbledore. I think that Dresden has a much more interesting supporting cast, and I thought maybe we just buzz through them. I would name a character, and you can give your impressions of them. Okay. I'll start with one that I know we both like, Bob. I Bob love is Bob. a spirit who lives in a skull. Yeah, he's this, uh, a wizard who lived a long time ago. I can't remember what century, but he essentially, I think he gets executed, but we'll find that out. And he inhibits a skull. But he is Harry's encyclopedia on how to whip potions together or figure out how to do a spell. And so, because you can't really look up anything in this universe. So with Harry Dresden... We should also notice that it's set in an earlier era, like late 80s? Um, Pre-cell phone. Well, actually, I think there is cell phones. It's just Harry can't have one because he electronics don't technology work. hates him it yeah. always fizzles around him yeah so uh harry potter universe versus harry dresden with harry potter universe they have everything written down they have libraries they have everything the spells are all written down so they copy and teach the students on how to do spells and they use the wands to extend that power with harry dresden it's Nothing's really written down. It's all innate knowledge passed around, but a lot of their magic is more from within. And they he can do big magic without any wand or anything and blow stuff up. If he wants to keep it pinpointed on something, he has to use his blasting rod. And so if he's trying to figure out a love potion, he could try to come up with it himself, but he uses Bob to help him figure it out. And it saves him a tremendous amount amount of time. time. And so, and the way they interact is the best through the books. And he always buys Bob um, trashy romance novels because Bob loves his romance. And I guess one time he let Bob out and he went to a sorority house and had a good time. And so... Bob's kind of a bastard too. Like he rakes Harry. Harry is in a difficult spot and he needs Bob's help. And uh, Bob... Forced him into a deal that he didn't want to do. Yep, he does. Really interesting character. Next up, Murphy, a police detective with Chicago PD who is charged with, uh, what's her unit, like special investigations? Like, she gets stuck with all the weird murders. Yeah, anything that comes out weird, uh, she's the one that gets called and they have to investigate and try to find an answer. And that's why she calls Harry, because Harry advertised himself as a wizard, so they call on him to try to explain what happened. And she's a very strong female character. She's a very strong female character, very pure. And Harry talks about the third eye. And in one of the books coming up, he actually opens his third eye and sees the true form of Karen. And she's almost like a guardian angel. So she's one of those characters who just won't let... Karen is Murphy? Karen is Murphy, sorry. She is someone that doesn't let darkness or anything affect her purity she does everything by the book she does you know and it makes her a strong character and it causes conflict between the two because he wants to be truthful to her but he also can't be truthful to her so yeah magic is also very hush hush in this universe he's not supposed to really explain it to anyone outside he's not supposed to share with any muggles yes so yeah with harry dresden in chicago you know wizards werewolves demons everything sort of lives amongst the humans but they try to stay in the shadows in ways the white council tries to make sure everything stays in the shadows so there's no separate world for though there is actually there's a place called never um neverwhere nevermore i can't remember how you say it but there is a sort of a separate entity that you can bounce through so otherwise everyone lives in the same earthly being together so next up local bar owner mac mac is fun he shows up every once in a while in the books and it's a 
He's a fun character. He's very, very side character, but he was there when Harry needed him to let him borrow a car. And yep. uh, He takes no shit from no one, and he um, he helps people out who needs help, in, people in need, and he is just a fun character. So. And who is Mr.? Mr. is the cat. He's a, basically a bobcat, but he's a Harry Dresden's cat. Yeah, it, the impression that I get is that he's just huge and he lords over Dresden. He does, and you'll find out that Dresden gets another pet coming up soon. Can't wait. And then there's the reporter whose name I could not remember. Susan. Susan. Yeah, Susan. Kind of a love interest, kind of trying to work Dresden for stories from the magical world for her magic newspaper or um, magazine. What are your thoughts on Susan? Well, I already know a lot of her story already because I read the books. Um, Don't ruin anything for me. So, yeah, with the first book, she's you think she's just a minor character, but she becomes more of a prominent character in the next three, four books. So but. I'm going to go start reading now. <laughs> and I didn't have it on the list here, but I I can't believe I almost forgot, but Morgan, the ward. Yes, he is a character that has to watch over Dresden. He basically has to make sure Dresden doesn't step out of bounds because Dresden used black magic. And if you use black magic, you either get executed or you are on probation. And so Harry right now is on probation due to his black magic that he used. And so Morgan thinks that Harry's going to slip up, so he keeps popping up everywhere and confronting Harry. It is almost a constant thorn in Harry's side. A very constant thorn. <laughs> so we enjoyed the first book, Stormfront. We also checked out about half of the season of the TV show from Sci-Fi. I forget if it was 10 or 12 episodes, but we watched about five. What are our thoughts so far? You know, I enjoy the show. I mean, it doesn't follow the books at all. You have characters that are named the same, but Murphy's not blonde. She's brunette. She's supposed to have straight hair. She has curly hair. But overall, I think... Dresden's supposed to wear a duster. He doesn't. Yep. And... He's supposed to drive a blue beetle. He he doesn't. doesn't. He's supposed to have a blasting rod, but he he doesn't. Oh, my God. His tools are so dorky in the show. Yeah. His... Magic wand is a drumstick, and his blasting rod is a hockey stick. Well, like, I don't think he even has a magic wand in the books. Like, I don't remember one from Stormfront. No, it's a blasting rod mostly. But um, yeah, so the, I think the show was well written. A lot of the acting we've seen so far is well done. The characters are well rounded. It's too bad it got canceled. I think. I don't know. Well, I think one of the areas that it struggled was the effects were pretty hit and miss in it. They are. Like, they did one episode on Stormfront, a loose adaptation of the first book, and I thought that one and the very first episode, the effects were almost laughably bad. But there are others, like they did a ghost episode and a werewolf episode, and in those, the effects were pretty awesome. They're pretty good. I mean, well, you maybe awesome is a strong, strong word, word, but yeah. they were passable. Yeah, I mean, you can see they're dated, but they're really well done. We were talking about, we enjoyed the show for what it was, and it's just, I think they were too early on producing the show and getting it out to the media. You know, maybe if they waited until now to do it, they might have a better following for the show. I don't know. Yeah, well, he's pumped out 17 books. Something works with the Dresden formula. Yes. So I, you know, I think either they just... Uh, fans of the books hated the show because they just changed too much of the show or either that not enough people watched it and they canceled it. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, it had it felt, your experience is deeper than mine, but I felt like it captured the heart of Dresden pretty well. Like I thought it had the essence of the show. I just didn't always agree with the looks of certain characters. I had a hard time with the way the guy was at, portraying Dresden, but I enjoyed him in the show, but it's not the Dresden I picture in the books. But um, but yeah, overall, I enjoyed the show as a whole. So. It is available for streaming on Prime. I think it's the only streaming service that it's on. So if you have Prime, you can certainly check it out. I also wanted to touch briefly on the cooperative card game, which we've owned for a while. We haven't taken it out of the box yet, but if I recall correctly, you collect clues and solve crimes. I don't remember much else about it. Yeah, I think basically, yeah, it's each, there's a certain number of mysteries in there that you follow and you collect the clues and solve them. And I know you wanted to wait to read the books before we started playing because the character cards are true to the books. And 
though there's some characters in the game that aren't that you haven't met yet so i don't know how soon you want must read now must read now (laughs) so it'll be fun to um start playing that game and see how they took the books and created game mysteries out of from the storylines so it'll be very fun to check out and i'm sure we'll talk about it on a future episode So it's been a lot of fun reading through these two books and planning to do a show on them. One of the things that hadn't occurred to me really ever before in my life is that different people read things differently and visualize things differently. Yes, they do. Um, I have a hard time visualizing or I'm a very creative person and you can see that with my art. But when it comes to reading, I am a skimmer and a fast reader. I like to breeze through very quickly. And so when an author is asking me to create a world in my head, so pure fantasy is very hard for me to read because I get bogged down with the details. I start slowing down and then I start You would so hate (laughs) Tolkien, honey. That's why I haven't read them. It's because I probably would just get so bogged down with everything because I don't know what it is. I just have a hard time just capturing the world in my head. You know, I like to breeze, read a book quickly, or my brain just reads through very quickly. I don't really see the words when I read. My brain just goes very quick. I'm very different. I am very methodical. Like, I read every single word, and it paints a very vivid picture for me. Like, when I get really into a book, like, I am completely sucked in. I think Ready Player One is the book that I had the most fun visualizing in my head in recent memory. That was incredible. But when I really get into a series like uh, Harry Potter or Dragonlance or whatever, like, I I can really... I'm watching a movie in my head, basically. I can watch a movie in my head, but it's like I like it when it's in our world because then I can picture it faster and quicker and just get through the story faster. And maybe that's why I have such a fixation on certain areas and certain worlds. Like in Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, like I hated everything with Danny before she crossed the narrow sea. Like yep. maybe it's just because I had a hard time visualizing it or maybe I didn't want to put the mental processing into visualizing it. But uh, generally if there's like an earth or a relatable place in uh, fiction that's where I want to focus yeah and you know it's interesting because like I think my dad is the same way as you because he says he, well he has to read every single word but he's able to create pictures in his head but he purposely reads every word where I don't I will just skim through very quickly and I think my brother does that because I don't know how else he would read all the books he reads but and then there's um someone that we know where she can't visualize any pictures at all when she reads she just sees the words for what they are so i can't imagine reading that way because yeah and that's probably why she prefers audiobooks that's true it probably is yeah because me i I don't like audiobooks at all i find them tremendously distracting i I also i can't have subtitles on something that we're watching (laughs) because i just read the damn thing then and like i completely zone out on what's happening on the screen it's the most distracting thing for me well it's weird because when i uh, watch movies with subtitles all of a sudden it sounds like I am um, my brain thinks that the, they're speaking the words I do the shift where it's like I don't see the words anymore my brain is making it sound like they're speaking the words so that's so fascinating so but yeah no it's um it's very fascinating how different people read or how they process reading when they read so yeah so how do you read how you did di- how do you digest stuff Share your thoughts and, uh, you know, maybe we'll bring them up the next time we do a chapter on Hairy Wizards. That is our show for today. Thank you so much for listening. I lost my show notes and now I'm desperately trying to remember how I close things down. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening today. Next month, Joey's going to be back and Tom and Joey are going to get you ready. Hey, that's me and Joey. We're going to get you ready for the holiday buying season. We're going to talk about some of our favorite games of the year and what to purchase for your loved ones for this holiday season. If you enjoyed the show, we hope you will tell a friend about it and review us on your favorite podcasting platform. Don't forget you can follow us on social. I'm at Tom underscore underscore awesome, and she is Mrs. underscore OIO on the Twitter machine. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash outside is overrated or on Instagram at outside is underscore overrated pod. Anything you want to say before we take off, babe? No, I'm good. 
Well, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next month. Stay inside, kids. Getting ready for an awesome podcast. How about you, babe? Oh, get all up on it. <laughs> yeah, get in there. Get in there. Yeah. I mean, I help raise a child, too. Yes, you do, my love. Yeah, it's on tape now. <laughs> Honey, I'm like 17 seconds in and I already ruined the show. <laughs> you did not. <sighs> we'll try it again. Rewind. Rewind. You shouldn't record in tank tops anymore, honey. This is very distracting. I'm sorry. I just... <laughs> it's a Bioshock tank top, too. <laughs> Fuck yeah, it is. <laughs>